I um I get most of my news from Twitter. I don't know if you uh, how many are any Twitter users here in the Okay, there's one. All right. So um Twitter, if you're not familiar with the the uh, galaxy of social media, um uh, Facebook and 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 blogs and and websites, they're kind of like the TV screen, you know, whoever's talking on the TV screen. Twitter's like the little thing running across the bottom that says breaking news. So so it's a little bit ahead because you don't have to wait for the person to finish a paragraph. You can start right in with um, with the information ahead of time. So, for example, this week I found out that there may or may not have been a bombing in Boston. Um, it may or may not have been at the Boston Marathon. It may or may not have um, been caused by two Chechens, um, and they may or may not be in custody. So it took you an hour longer to find out those things on uh, Monday and Friday. So... Um, I found out that much earlier, the things from Twitter. Um, one of the things about Twitter is people try to be humorous in it. Um, a friend of mine has a boat, and he sent me this tweet. Anybody have a boat? Nobody? Bo- no, okay, there's a boat owner. Okay, you may have heard this. All right. The two happiest days of a boat owner's life, the day he buys a boat and the day he gets a terrorist out of it. So, <laughs> all right, okay. So, so um, people try to be funny on Twitter. Um, I don't know how successful they are. I like this one. Uh, this week is so bad that an Elvis impersonating conspiracy theorist sent poison to Obama, and that's about the tenth biggest story of the week. It was a big week. It was it was a big week, and there was a lot of bad news, and that's why um, a uh, someone sending poison in the mail to the president wasn't even the top story. Um, we know we know how how bad the week was. It began with saber rattling by the North Koreans talking about their nuclear arsenal and how they're going to send missiles around. Um, there was the ongoing trial of uh, a gruesome a gruesome abortion clinic in Philadelphia um, that uh, um, has been going on. Where uh, besides the abortions, and I don't know what your positions are on abortion. Um, but besides that, uh, women were contracting uh, venereal disease and uh, babies were being killed after live delivery. So um, it was so bad that the director of Planned Parenthood in Pennsylvania said these are criminal, horrendous acts and should be appropriately punished. So uh, terrible things going on when the week began and it went downhill from there. There was the, the Elvis impersonator, the alleged uh, uh, perpetrator of the mailing of Rice and poison to the president and to one of the senators from his state. Um, and, of course, the explosions. The explosions in Texas, an industrial accident at a fertilizer factory that killed so many people. And uh, the man-made, the deliberate, intentional explosions at the Boston Marathon, where three people uh, were killed and 178 were maimed. And a deliberate act by people who used savage cruelty to make a device specifically designed to injure people at the end of a race and those who were cheering them on. It was, it was, um, a terrible thing. It was, it was a, uh, a device. Uh, there's reports now. People are debating how, how, how ingenious was this device. Um, apparently the, the earlier in the week they were saying it's pretty simple. Anybody can make them, but now they're saying, well, there was some sophistication. It was a pressure cooker um, filled with uh, odd bits of metal, uh, ball bearings and nails, and, and an explosive. 
And the reason for the pressure cooker is to contain the explosion to make it more violent when it finally bursts the the uh, pressure cooker. It was it was ingeniously designed to maim people. It's a horrible thing. Um, in 1986, I heard I heard a song um, by Paul Simon. He put out an album called Grace Nut. I think I've got a picture of it up here somewhere. Um, and and in it, he's got a song called The Boy in the Bubble. And I don't know how many of you remember the 1980s, but there was there was news items about a, a boy who had been born with a, a, a no immune system, and so so the medical people put him in a bubble, a plastic bubble, and he lived his life in a plastic bubble to keep him from getting from from contracting any kind of diseases. And in this song of the boy in the bubble, Paul Simon talks about this this strange feature of humans that we can build such amazing things. He says this is the day of. Uh, he says, these are the days of lasers in the jungle, the days of miracles and wonder, the boy in the bubble and the baby with the baboon heart, another medical miracle. People were able to keep a baby alive for a period of time um, with a baboon heart. So he says, he says, we have this ingenuity. We can do such great things with it. But unfortunately, we don't, or we don't always, because he goes on and he says, there was a bright light, a shattering of shop windows, the bomb in the baby carriage was wired to the radio. People would put a bomb in a baby carriage and then use radio waves to trigger it. People use their ingenuity to do horrible things. I hear stories like the ones this week and I say to myself, we are such a mess. I don't know, I don't know why it is we have such ingenuity. We can make lasers and put them in the jungle. We can, we can do all these great things and yet there are among us people who use them for evil. And so I ask, where is God in the events of this week? Where is God in the Boston Marathon murders? I wonder, does God know what's happening? Does God even know that this that we're going through this? Does God care? Or if God cares... Why doesn't he do something about it? Is God, is God simply indifferent? It's like, well, you know, it's not my problem. Is God indifferent to human suffering? Or is God powerless? Is it that, that God would like to do something about it, but the terrorists have outfoxed him too? He can't do anything about terror himself. What is, what is, this, what is the answer of our faith to God and his apparent absence in the events of this past week? I know there's one group that's got an answer. They say God was behind it. God did it. You you may have heard about them, the, the Westboro Baptist cult. Um, they call themselves a church located in uh, uh, Wichita, but they've made a little name for themselves. They go to tragedies and, and protest at funerals, saying that God did this as a punishment. Are they right? Is it that God specifically did this as an act of willful uh, punishment for people? What's going on? Where is God in the events of this week? Well, these are exactly the questions that Jesus answers in the reading that we just heard, the reading of this parable. We've been in this, we've been in this series of messages talking about the kingdom of God. And what we've seen over the past few weeks is the kingdom of God is not heaven. It includes heaven, but it is not heaven. What Jesus taught is the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is something we can be part of. That when we trust God with our life, when we say, um, 
I would like a better life, a better life than I'm able to make on my own. I would like God to be in charge of my life. When we give authority in our life to God, we have a better life. That's the kingdom of God. That's the promise that Jesus makes. He says it won't be easier. It'll be harder, but it will be better, and he will be helping. So that's what we've been learning about the kingdom of God. And the way we've been learning it is through these parables. Jesus liked to teach with parables. He would say, there's something you don't understand, the kingdom of God, and there's things you do understand, fishing and farming. And so I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God by comparing it to things you understand. We're not fishermen, we're not farmers so much anymore, but we can still understand fishing and farming. We can't necessarily understand the kingdom of God. So Jesus gives us parables. So we've been looking at these parables. And today we heard the parable of the weeds among wheat. Jesus taught this parable about the kingdom of God, saying that it is like this. He said, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. And he goes on to explain that the good seed, uh, that the person whose field it is, is the Son of Man, Jesus. Um, that Jesus called himself the Son of Man. He said uh, that that is the person who's doing the farming. The field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom, people who are part of the kingdom of God, who have said, who have said, I want God to be um, the ruler of my life. He says, he says, but while everyone was asleep, an enemy came. He explains the enemy is the devil, and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. He explains that the weeds are doers of evil, people who do evil, children of the evil one. And he went away. And then when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared as well. And that's that's where we find ourselves today. We find ourselves in a world where there are uh, miracles and wonders. There are uh, babies with baboon hearts and, and boys in bubbles. There are wonders of technology and progress and achievement. But at the same time, there are among them things that are evil. There are acts of terror. There are people who would commit terror. There's people who think hard about how to make devices more savage. That's the situation we're in now. The weeds came up among them. So the slaves of the householder came and said to a master, Did you not sow good seed in your field? They're saying two things. A... Did you know your field's a mess? Did you know that? And B, how come? How come there are these things of evil in your field? Why is there evil in the world, God? The angels in the parable come to God and say, why is that? Did you even know? And the answer is yes, he does know. He's the only one in the parable who knows what's going on. He doesn't have to research it. He doesn't have to say, what? Let me go check for myself. He immediately knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in his field. He says, I know. And he says, an enemy did this. He said, the evil in the world is the work of an enemy. So, I don't know what that, I don't know, I don't know how the Westboro Baptist people read their Bible, but I read it to say, God does not do evil. God does not do evil. So I reject their interpretation of these events as God visiting punishment on people he doesn't like. An enemy did this. And the slave said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? Do you want us to root out all the causes of evil in the world? And God says, no, 
for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. There is something about the nature of the world that if all causes of evil were to to be eliminated, somehow that would affect those who are good. I don't understand how that works, but that's the assertion that Jesus makes here. He says, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. So let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. Jesus says, we're not going to deal with the evil now. There will come a day of reckoning when all causes of evil will be removed from the kingdom. But that day is not yet. That day has not yet occurred. He says, let them continue to grow side by side. So he says, yes, I know there's evil in the world. And yes, I'm going to permit it to take place. And he says the reason he does that is for the good. It's not because he's powerless to do anything about the evil. It's not because he's ignorant. It's not because he's indifferent. It's for the sake of the good that he's permitting the evil. And I wish he would explain why. I wish he would explain that to me. I wish he would tell me how that actually works. I wish he would connect those dots. But he doesn't. He doesn't tell us. He simply makes an assertion. He says, he says, this is for the good. But he does something else. He says, he says that I have reasons for this. And he says, I'm taking that responsibility on myself, not for the evil but for permitting the evil. And because God has taken the responsibility for the evil, for permitting the evil to occur on himself, that means that we can pray to God about it. We can say to God, why? And if you read the book of Psalms, you'll see that is exactly what the psalmist does over and over and over again. Why, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Why do the evil, why do the wicked prosper? My bed is wet with tears. Why? How long? We can go to God and say, I know, God, you did not do the evil, but you permitted it, and I want to know why. And maybe God will answer us. He doesn't in this parable, but maybe in our prayers, God will give us some answer. I don't know what answer it would be. Picture yourself. Picture your eight-year-old child was killed in the Boston Marathon. Is there any answer that would satisfy you? I can't imagine an answer that would satisfy me. That's probably why there's not an answer here. If it was written in the Bible, we'd go repeating it. We'd go find that family and say, you know, it's all for the good. God's got a plan. And I think God wants to to maintain control of that answer himself. He doesn't give us the answer so people can go come to him and say, here's why. To keep us from jumping in front of him and saying it for him. That's my guess. But he says, he says, I'm responsible. He says, you can come to me and ask why. But we can also come to him and ask to be spared. We just did that. Psalm 140. Protect me, Lord. Deliver me from evildoers. We can go to God and say, look, I know that it is your will, Lord, that evil continue to take place in this world. But protect me. Protect the people dear to me. I don't know why evil has to stay in the world but protect the people I care about. Protect people who are vulnerable. So we can pray that prayer. And Jesus teaches us that we can even pray for our enemies. We can pray for our enemies, not for our ultimate enemy, Satan, 
But we can pray for those who are caught in his clutches. We can pray that God would deliver them from evil. We do every week. We say, Lord, deliver me from the evil one. So we can pray. But there's something else we can do. God says, evil is going to be a part of this world until Jesus comes again. So we can get it out of our head that there's some magic law or some magic formula that we can do that will put an end to evil in the world. It's going to be a part of our life. So we can figure out what we're going to do about it. One of the things that struck me this week is that when people do their worst, it brings out the best in other people. You saw that this week in the news. You saw the way that immediately after the explosions, when anybody sane would run away, there were people who ran toward the explosions to see what they could do to help. When people do evil, it brings out the best in other people. You saw the stories about how the the doctors came in on their day off. It was Patriot's Day in, in Boston, a day off, everybody gets the day off. Doctors came in to see what they could do. Aid workers who were planning to be uh, helping with marathon uh, exhaustion and, and dehydration and stuff, they became triage tents. Doctors came in, and then later in the week, people stayed home so that the police could do a manhunt. People did things that brought out the best in society. People who... who worked together for the common good, exercised their Christian vocation. I was thinking about this. You, you saw the pictures. Maybe you've seen the picture of the boat, the, the infrared picture of the boat with the body in it, the body of the terrorist in it, um, how they, they flew over the area with, with helicopters and were looking for, for anybody who might be hiding in bushes or something, and, and the body just jumps out. There's a technological solution there. So we don't just build... Um, uh, uh, bombs in baby carriages. We also have technology that helps us find bad people. We have technology. You, the, the, the surveillance photos of the, of the bombers were taken by these ubiquitous surveillance pictures. But when the blurry ones came out, people looked at their cell phone pictures from the race and they sent in better ones. And that's how they were able to improve the pictures over time. They said, actually, I've got that same picture, but it's better. And they sent those in. They sent them in on websites. People, people doing the normal things they do, not just, not just the heroes, the doctors and the law enforcement officials, people who build infrared cameras, people who build helicopters, people who build websites, people who use their cell phone, working together, have a vocation to make the world a better place. Martin Luther King used to say that the law cannot restrain the heartless. Uh, the law cannot change people's hearts, but it can restrain the heartless. That's what Jesus calls us to do here. By realizing that evil will continue to be a part of our world, we can take up our vocation to combat evil in the world. We're taught as Christians to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. And when we do these things, the daily vocation we have, working on our infrared camera, maintaining our helicopter, uh, programming a website, whatever it is we do, the, the things of society that can then be used to defeat evil, those are our Christian vocations. So whatever you do in this world, whatever your life is, think of it as your vocation. 
And if you look at it and you say, well, I don't understand how that works, I don't understand how evil works either. But maybe just say, somehow God can use my talents, my vocation, to make the world a better place. And, and maybe God can use uh, my avocation. I can be, I can be involved in Christian ministry through, through a, a, a ministry like, like Love Inc. we heard about earlier today, or some of the other things we did. The, the Cameroon mission we, we'll hear about next week. That God gives us vocation so that we can be part of the good in this world in order to counteract the bad in this world. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thanks be to God. Amen.